covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Mernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman leading things off, as always, to kick you in to our latest episode of the show as we bring you into episode 108, a.k.a. NAL Rebound Week 9. Week 9, we did see some uh, exciting action, of course. One upset from us that we, uh, I think, you're going to have to address and that one team definitely wants us to uh, address as we have been seeing uh, post-game, if you will. We'll, we'll get into that really quick. Uh, as well as, of, cor- of course, uh, I think uh, just a few other tidbits to take away going in to week 10 that we'll be discussing along with this show. Uh, before we get anywhere, though, I have to, of course, bring in my good old buddy, my co-host, the man behind the ce- scenes with all these beautiful graphics details, and I would call the Adam Schefter of the NAL. It is Jim Mernier jumping on, as always, riding that high. And I will talk about that Jacksonville win because, Jesus, he's, this team still on a hot streak. Jim, how you doing? Week 9, a few, few outcomes that... I think, well, one of them you and I were split on coming into this week. Anyway, another one, though, we actually we lost two. At least we lost. I lost a game in terms of pick. You lost two games in terms of pick. Pick uh, this week. Win some, you lose oh. some. You know, that's how it is. But, I mean, that was the surprise outcome. I mean, at least was one of those items in Carolina that we'll jump into. Any other quick thoughts week nine-wise? Uh, quick thoughts is Jacksonville's offense is still pretty potent. Um. West Texas is getting better as each week gets further into the season. Mitch Kidd is the dude, in my opinion. They gave Jacksonville a run for the money, and they have Carolina coming into town this week, so it would be something that would be intriguing to watch. Uh, Of course, down in San Antonio, the Gunslingers rebound from their loss to the Jacksonville Sharks two weeks ago with a decisive win over the Orlando Predators. Um, and the Freeman Coliseum, and also out in the East Coast in uh, Carolina, the Fayetteville Mustangs make a statement in the Carolina Rumble Series to tie up the series at 1-1. Cato had a big game, same with uh, Kendrick Gings and Trey Long, made some big plays. Um, but yeah, week nine was in the, the accumulation of the first half of the season, uh, as what we expected Week two, week three, week one, the teams that we expect to be the top tier teams in the league have stayed in the top tier of the league right now, and uh, and we have the the lower teams. Um, one of them we didn't expect to be down there right now, um, but the other two were predicted at for us and for our for the media standpoint thought they would be down there, but. Uh, overall, uh, halfway through the season now, so for the fans of the National Arena League that are listening to from San Antonio, Fayetteville, to Odessa, 10 weeks from today, 10 weeks from today, there will be a new champion in the National Arena League. So we are officially halfway through the season here on Inside the Walls and for the 2023 National Arena League year. Halfway there and a few items that we'll be touching on, of course, with this week nine slate that maybe we'll have a few thoughts on in terms of what the rest of the season could look like. Uh, I think, like I said, leading off, we're going to have one that I think was a pretty big statement win, um, I would say, out there in Carolina. We'll jump into this. The Carolina Rumble Part 2 Mustangs Cobras. 
diving into this right away. And let, let's let's just let's just look at the camera, Jim. You and I. Let's let's look at the folks over there, Mustangs. We saw your social media post. We dig it. You know what? You're right. We we didn't pick you. We, you know, no, none of us, neither of us picked you this week. We've been waiting for that signature win. We hadn't seen you gotten, hadn't seen you show up for games against the top three teams yet this point of the year. And you know what? With Rakeem Cato in, with the defense playing its best ball of the season so far, I would argue, at least in terms of talent, talented teams coming to show up, special teams showing up. Rakeem Cato basically automatic, pretty much, I would say, near 100% of the night with the same, maybe the complete, maybe just that one smidge coming out of halftime with a few errors in that first possession out of the half. Got to say, impressive win. You guys definitely deserve the credit. We acknowledge when good teams get good wins. That was a big statement win from the Fayetteville Mustangs, and one that I think at least says, hey, you know what? We are in the muck. We are that king. We are the king of the muck, or as they even said, they call it the dark horse of the muck. I, 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 if we've said that, I, it's funny. I, I slightly remember slash don't remember saying that, but we'll, we'll go with it. The dark horses is what I remember calling them, the dark horse of the league. But without a doubt, kings of the muck they are. And they came to play four and three right now. 500 record. Above Sitting five, nice and pretty. Yeah, above 500 record. Currently Above fourth. 500 record, yes. <laughs> they, they, they tied Carolina with splitting the series 1-1. They went on the road into Greensboro and basically won the game in the first half. When you hold any opponent, don't care if it's the Carolina Cobras, the Jacksonville Sharks, the Albany Empire, you hold them to nine points in the first half. The chances of you winning game are very high in this game. But Carolina did fight back in the second half. Uh, they got a quick score to start off the second half, got a turnover, scored again, and all of a sudden that – 34 to was 34 to nine lead at halftime uh, turn 30, 32, nine. They boat raced him out of the first half. Yeah. Like, 32, nine in the first half. And then Carolina made it very intriguing in the second half. Um, but some of the things about this game that were entertaining about this game is that every time Carolina scored or excuse me, every time Carolina scored and got the game closer, Carolina on the, Defensive end forgot to cover Kendrick Ings. Uh, the guy went off. Cato went off. Trey Long went off. Well, look at that. I mean, look at that beautiful d- double team pass right there. Mm-hmm. Great catch from James Summers. That was one of the highlights. I'm like, wow, dagger. You know, and that's what Cato brings to you, man. He's explosive. Great pocket presence this year and still can do it on the run. And that was something they were missing the first contest against Carolina. You know, whether it was injury or, you know, stepping in for, you know, maybe a poor performance the week prior. You know, that's what was the big key, and that showed up. I mean, there's a reason they won. Better talented QB, and the defense came to play in droves. Held those, held things down. Carolina, as you were saying, didn't have many answers first half. And second half, mm-hmm. it's almost too little too late. Once you get behind by 20-plus points, it is extremely hard to come back in, the, in any version of this sport. And yeah, it, it showed it, that. It, it's extremely hard, but if you've seen the highlights, if you listen to our podcast platforms – to apologize about last episode, uh, it got flagged again. Um, we will try to re-upload. Sorry for going off the tangent right there. Uh, but in this game, uh, if you're listening on the podcast platform, we do have highlights on. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel at Pod. 
Uh, by the way, we will have another announcement this later this week of an official kickoff of a certain thing that many of our listeners have been asking us to have. So the official kickoff will be this week. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But in this game, like we saw in the highlights, Carolina got within one possession at one point. Then you see blown coverage, Kinger Dings, Cato dropping the dimes. Um, there's a lot of feisty energy coming out of Fayetteville. Um, they're, they're, I think it's just it caused a, not really controversy, but a lot of players around the league. We had a guy do a graphic about the like the fifteen dollar fancy football thing, and a couple of players made statements about you know you don't know anything, blah blah blah. Those players who made statements earlier last week, by the way, shout out to Dorian with those great graphics of that. Um, those players who were complaining about their dollar amount, dollar value, really showed out it this weekend in all three games. Um, but in this game, for certain, was Cato. We even questioned in the pregame, in, in, in not pregame, the game day. Yeah. Depend like we knew what Summers was and can do against Carolina the first time, but we expected that first matchup with with Cato. Now we got Cato this matchup, and this is the Cato that we have seen. In Orlando, what we've seen so far for this whole season, when he is on the money, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he torched Carolina's secondary. I've talked to a couple of media members of the National Arena League and talked about Carolina and about what, what's your observations about Carolina. And a lot of the guys have the same narrative. Carolina has a great team, but their secondary can't, not can't, struggles on open field tackles. Fayetteville capitalized on those issues. Like there's a couple plays throughout this game where Long would do like a five-yard hitch or or Kendrick Gaines would do a five-yard route and miss the first guy and off to the races. And Fayetteville, the game plan, I don't know what Gunnings had in this game plan, but he went after Carolina early and attacked. I think they found a weakness. I can't find a weakness, but they had a great game plan. Cato was on the money, and they just attacked Carolina. Carolina could not get a groove in this game. Doesn't help when Carolina does start off with you know 0 and 2, 0-2 in possessions. You get behind the possession game, and then the turnover game goes against you. The odds are ever against your against you. You're not going to win those games. But <laughs> overall, when you look at this game, I was very impressed of how uh, Fayetteville came out, got up on them early, got up on them early, didn't you know, really fold. You know how that bend, don't break defense? Fayetteville's defense was <clears throat> bending and bending and bending, but they never folded, which was great. That's how they held on and won the game. That's something we didn't see a couple of weeks ago against Jacksonville or a couple of weeks ago against San Antonio. Their defense was keeping them in the game and their offense was scoring, but their defense was just, you know, Bending and bending and bending. Then they, boom, they folded. And then there's a three possessions right there. Lead switched on both sides, both Jacksonville and San Antonio. This week, Fayetteville did not do any of that. They scored, got defensive stops and turnovers, and scored on them. Much better performance this week overall. And honestly, I would not be stunned if the offensive player of the week came from this game. I will not be stunned as the specialist players of the week come from this game. 
both Cato and Kendrick Ings needs all the uh, recognition from this game based on this performance of Carolina. The good thing about someone messages us is like, well, Jim, your separation Sunday didn't happen. It did. Separations, separations weekend did happen. There's a clear separation between the four and the three and the four and the five spot right now of two games. At, we do get, we did get it. And right now, when you look at it, Fayetteville is in at the four. They're playing well. They have a big test next week. And Fayetteville, I like, I like how Fayetteville social media is coming after us. Um, about our not picking them. And I love how you have the Roman Reigns acknowledge me um, thing, but <laughs> this might fire up Fayetteville again. Um, the reason why people acknowledge Roman Reigns is because he is the undisputed universal champion. He is the current champion. So you acknowledge the current champion. Yes, we all acknowledge you on the win this past weekend, but you're missing something on your shoulder that Roman has. But I digress. But still, it was a great game. Entertaining game to start the Saturday night um, of action of the NAL. Very clean game, which I was – that's one thing I'm noticing in a lot of these games. Uh, I, I want to know our listeners uh, will know. Time, the, the – the times of these games are going smoothly. We're not having three and a half hour games. It's getting more efficient weeks, out there. We, yeah. we had a two hour and seven minute game in San Antonio last uh, on, on Sunday. We had a two hour and 49 minute game in, ja- in Odessa. In this game, we had, well, two hours and 40, 44 minutes. So we're under three hours. Perfect. The game, the great game, great atmosphere. Um, Nice crowd in Carolina, which is good. We always love seeing a good crowd in Carolina. But I want to fo- turn my focus to Carolina right now. Carolina, in my opinion, got out of the gate sluggish, and they reverted back to Malik Henry's old ways. Oh, no. Short guy not open. Let me just chuck it deep. Saw a couple of that early in the game where he's just throwing it deep and hopefully something happens. It's not the Malik Henry that we saw earlier this year. Also, got to give credit to Fayetteville. They shut down the running game of uh, Carolina early, and they shut down M. Uh, M. Smith. You do that. You, you shut down Zach Brown, shut down M. Smith, and you kind of shut down Malik Henry. That's their offense. So, mad props for the defensive side of the ball for Fayetteville. For, for Carolina – you got the you got you got the loss. You're four and two. You drop below Jacksonville now in standings, and now you you're looking up in the standings and how we can get back to the two spot. Uh, but for Carolina, you got to go west out west this pet next week against a very challenging West Texas team that's very scrappy. They gave Jacksonville the run for their money. If you don't play your A game against West Texas, you'll be coming back home uh, next week with a loss in Odessa. And those road trips, I'm telling you right now, those are not some; those are not good road trips from the players I've talked about going out west to Odessa. But Fayetteville, we acknowledge you. Good job on the win. You're four and three. You're in the top four in the league right now. But you have a bigger test this weekend when you travel to the Shark Tank to take on the Jacksonville Sharks, who have been on, actually on fire offensively over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it ain't going to be a walk in the park next next week for Carolina. They have to get 
get to get, I think, adjusted and quickly back in shape. Just focus on the week ahead. You know, I, I think that honestly, kind of just some of the a lot of the early mistakes in the first half that led to that thirty-two to nine start for them, uh, miscues offensively, whereas turnover stoppages. You know, you can't have that happen again. And this is not the same West Texas team we saw last time these two played. And that was only a two-point affair. It came down to a game-winning deuce, of all things. Mm-hmm. You can argue West Texas, as much as we're going to talk about them taking a loss to Jacksonville, has gotten better since then. And that is going to be something you have to get mentally ready for along with that road trip. You know, this is one that, you know, we come in. I think a lot of you know we both were talking about how Carolina had been playing on all three phases, some of the best th- full multi-phase football in the league so far. All three have been doing well. Special teams-wise, been fantastic. You know, we had talked about offense was kicking into gear. They're leaning heavier on the run game than most, but Malik Henry still was able to get you downfield, and then you punch it in because you have great running back, either a great running quarterback in Henry, which he did have his own share for a touchdown run, or of course you got Zach Brown. But when you get behind the eight ball like this. All things kind of get thrown out the door. You're just more focusing about getting ahead, getting back ahead, and defense can't keep up with someone like Arakeem Cato or that receiving core who's finding openings. Mm-hmm. It's game over. So, you know, the Cobra's going to have to re- readjust and get ready to go. Um, Mitch Kidd, as we saw, he's getting better. Now, I would say that the West Texas Warbirds are not going to be, I would say, all the way there when they get there, but we'll talk about that in a second. But I think for Fayetteville, you came in, yeah, chip on your shoulder, as you could tell by social media, that, hey, you know, and we talked on this very show, they hadn't they had not been proving to us that they could compete with any of the top three teams. You know, it would at, at most we'd say, you know what, you gave it three quarters and maybe like a smidge of the fourth. Mm-hmm. You have a slip up here or there, mental error. You're not at that top echelon of teams to say that you can kind of punch with your own weight up to the top. You, you know what? Take it on Carolina. They took care of business in an opposing arena got payback they're gonna have a third matchup later this year back at home the rubber match which might be vital you know depending on if this is kind of like a make or break kind of season uh point where you turn for Fayetteville you know say you you start rallying off wins like this you know or if you can kind of get even with Carolina or get ahead you know in the third spot you know that'll be pretty solid although that depends you know depending on how the top two pan out we'll find out but Mm -hmm. you know still you want to keep building up and getting yourself a little bit of a cushion away from the bottom three as much as they've had their own mistakes and miscues while you're at it. So great win for them. Great franchise win for them too yeah. right now. Also, I, I want, I literally, I just want to give credit to this. Rakeem Cato, um, 200, the, the NAL had on their website has 271 yards. My stats have almost 297 yards, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions if a quarterback is doing that you're not beating that team Cato balled out uh he single-handedly with, with him and Kendra Gings um also Kendra Gings has a touchdown that was is not on his stats um same as Trey Long so <laughs> Cato has seven touchdown passes but there's only five receivers receiving touchdowns in the stats so um trust me there are people out there that watch these little small little things and but again uh Cato if he doesn't win the offensive player the week award um it's very hard of why who who else are going to pick because he did show out he bought he willed his team to victory 
And I, well, I mentioned earlier, I do think um, Kendrick Gangs could do the specials. But you mentioned about wins and postseason um, going forth. So with that, I was like, before we transition to the next game, I just want to tell that, ladies and gentlemen, the inside the walls, we just, I've we we decided this uh, to just announce our game in the weeks now. So people just say that we had a couple comments about us. Um, saying that we favor a team. So if you're watching the YouTube stream right now, uh, here is our games of the weeks coming up for the next, for the rest of the year. The last three week weeks of the regular season are flex games based on playoff implications, certain games. So this week, uh, if you're listening online is uh, uh, empire at predators. This game was decided way before all the fiasco and the, craziness that is the looks like a rivalry that's about to be brewing between these two franchises um based on social media interactions week 11 we'll be heading back to san antonio for the battle of texas and then the i don't know how we can name this rivalry but it's always been a unique game between carolina and jacksonville the brother rivalry because the two franchises are so familiar so if you're looking on the broadcast right now, ladies and gentlemen, these are all of our games of the weeks. Of course, the playoffs and the championship games are to be announced later. Later, if we follow the same path as last year, the playoffs, we usually talk to the number two team, number two seed team, and the number three seed team, and the championship, we talk to both teams. So, well, that's what we did last year and two years ago when we did started doing everything. So also the push to playoff begins with us of the game of the week every Friday here on YouTube and postgame. And, of course, for the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, my friend, Fayetteville will be the four. They'll be playing San Antonio. And Carolina will be the three playing Jacksonville in the Shark Tank. So, remember, the, the playoff push begins with Inside the Walls podcast. Week 10 game of the week, the Albany Empire traveling to the Orlando Predators to take on Brandon Cisse, Darius Prince, and Jonathan Bain, who will be on – our show this week as well, quarterback Jonathan Bain or the Orlando Predators. So for everyone out there who wants to know what's our game of the week, you just got it right there. So, yes, next week or this Friday, we'll be joined by Jonathan Bain and we'll be previewing Predators and Empire. He's always a great conversation. And the storylines between these two for this game of the week, we had we couldn't miss out. I mean, you're talking about – you're talking about a good chunk of former stars from an Albany Empire roster from the beginning of the season taking on what has been, honestly, has been plenty of new faces, but also, uh, I will acknowledge, a bit chippy online between some of these guys right now. Kerry Starks is uh, definitely wanting the challenge, is what we can put out there. And I think Darius Prince is ready for the said challenge. Uh, best we can what we can say. You can uh, go and look those up if you want. But it is uh, definitely like these two have been uh, marking each other on the map or at least one. I, I think a lot of Preds players have been marking this one on the map for a re- for at least uh, you know, a little visit or at least a welcoming party because they are coming to Amway this week and coming back from a road trip from San Antonio. So, uh, yeah, good that we got that schedule out there. Um, trust me, guys, we try our best to kind of balance out who gets talked about what. It's just sometimes it is a better game that we have to chat about and a good matchup we got to chat about too. Uh, that This one this week, I mean – yeah, you can say, well, it's not a playoff matchup, but hey, the storylines, you got to admit, we have to talk about it for that, without a doubt. But hey, keep in tone, touch with us. Always give us suggestions. We do listen to fan reactions and thoughts on things. This is kind of how this came about. So, you know, please, 
always uh, chime in and we will talk about this behind the scenes uh, without any question. Speaking of those preds, by the way, uh, things it is uh, we, you and I had kind of in our pick them, you know, first off, we got the Mustangs pick wrong together. So that one was a big, I think the surprise for both of us this week, but a good one for the Stangs. This one we had split on and Preds gunslingers uh, came into town. Predators have Jonathan Bain first week that they're in town. They're on the road and gunslingers took care of business at home, basically washed away the script from last week and kind of just slowly snuffed out the Preds. We won't, we can't even call this a can't even call this running away with it. It was more just really, they controlled the game. They wanted to control it, it from start to finish. It was efficient and good. It was efficient quality defense coupled with, Offense getting the job done when needed to kind of take down the Predators. Don't worry, we'll get the video <laughs> video up there. Wrong game, <laughs> my bad. Get the, it's all good. Stay, please stand by as we pull the right pull up the right one. No worries. But uh, long story long story short, I think if you want to put this up is you know I think the gun the gunslingers did enough to get the victory here is the best way I put it. If you were talking about a confidence poll after this one, I think I'm out, about the same as I am with San Antonio. As of late, they are overall. They have overall been a very talented roster. They are getting wins when needed. Um, that being said, it was definitely it definitely felt like defense won the day. I think for the most part, there were still great great moments. You know, from Arvell Nelson getting he's still leading the league massively in rushing touchdowns, including that beautiful sneak right there when I was watching on there. I love as much as people complain. I like the Philly sneaks where you got the pushes because to me beat your man across the other side. But, you know, we see guys like Khalil Rashad still making plays like this one right here. We're still seeing guys that are contributing on a regular basis. It just feels like the gunslingers could be more explosive. I feel like there is still something missing every week during these games. But defense, to me, I think still stood out the most and won the day. You see that rebound interception, another great highlight from this week that came up for the for the gunslingers. The Preds. I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, we've talked about, and Jim, you you brought this up first, but you know, we talk about kind of gelling as a unit, and it seems like same story as last year, but I think even we're starting to question that, I think, even more and more, where it's like on paper, you look at the Preds. There's a lot of good talent name-wise on this team, but just like last season, they can't get the job done to save their life. It doesn't matter right now who's back there. Now, credit, things could change next week. This is a lot more opportune game for them. But like we were talking that you know they need this win right now to kind of you know get things jumpstarted. It's not the end all be all for their season, but you do want to get at least a win under your belt, get some confidence back in for you guys. And it has certainly has been a stretch, especially with all these new Albany players that have come in. They have not gotten the results that I think a lot of Preds fans were expecting to have by this point in the year. Well, of course. And also, you have to also look at, step back a few seconds to see what's been going on in Orlando. You've had Joseph Hess. You have, uh, was it Legre? Was the other quarterback? Jeffrey Legre, yeah. Legre. And he was recently released. And recently released. Now we got Jonathan Bain. And. Early in the game, the first couple of possessions, they were clicking. I was like, okay, this looks like it's not going to skip a beat. But as the game progressed, you can tell that the consistency of not being together long enough was starting to show. Uh, Bain did have some good, uh, had a decent game, not his best game, far from his best game. Uh, but he did throw for 250 yards and four touchdowns. 
Uh, again, uh, Darius Prince, he's doing what he can do. Uh, 14 touchdowns, or not really, one touchdown, 14 catches for 115 yards. Um, but one thing that I guarantee no one noticed this is that Darius Prince is a dominant wide receiver in our game. It, it doesn't matter if he plays at Lehigh Valley, Albany, Orlando. He demands sometimes a double team. But one thing that I guarantee no one noticed, Santonio San did a great job of not having Darius Prince kickoff returns be an issue. Drew Pearson was kicking a lot of bar balls that affected the return game for Darius Prince. He was getting the ball in the end zone to get into maybe the five-yard line or the four-yard line. He'd never break away. He always breaks away at least once or twice a game. Not They're not touchdowns every time, but he flips the field for his team. It didn't happen this game. Also, spec, talking about special teams, give credit to Coach Shaw early in the third quarter doing the onside kick, stealing the possession again away from Orlando to really spark something. It didn't, it didn't, nothing happened. Orlando didn't force a four and out, but after that four and out, Orlando couldn't do anything and they got the ball back. And then San Antonio went down and scored. There were a couple plays in this game, and especially this game, that made me really question a few things about both San Antonio and Orlando. One of the plays earlier, I think it's early in the third quarter, where Orlando needed a stop to get back in the game. And Orville threw a ball that looked like it hit a duck in mid-flight. It just started flying like it It didn't. It was a bad throw. It, it may have slipped from his hands, but in terms, it's called a duck. And it yeah. got to two receivers. Number zero uh, for Orlando picked it off. He was nowhere near a, def- a receiver. He was called for a pass interference, while the guy who did the pass interference was actually the receiver playing defender to try not to get the interception. So that was a major flip in the game. Not saying that would determine the game. It was just an odd situation. And on Orlando's side, that really questioned me. It's all their little third and ones, and their fourth and ones throughout the- in this game. They never won. They handed off to Maxwell once he got the first down, never went back to him. It was all quick slants and receivers weren't there, dropped, bad interceptions or deflections. It was a sign where at points of this game, both defenses were playing good football. Both defenses were keeping this game close for both teams teams to win. But there was a point in this game where both offenses were like, here you go. You know, you take over the game. No, how about you take over? You had that point in the third quarter where you're like, Orlando has a chance to get back in this game and win it. But that onside kick that Shaw did in the beginning of the third quarter really singled me to go, he sees something that if he can't get an extra possession on Orlando, Orlando might wake up in the fourth quarter and catch San Antonio. But he put that away early. It's good coaching by Shaw. Orlando had no idea that onside kick was coming. Also, Drew Pearson hit a deuce, his first deuce of the year, uh, year flipped the game too. So San Antonio was making the plays. 
One thing San Antonio was doing that Orlando wasn't doing, San Antonio was getting turnovers and scoring off of those turnovers. That is huge. We saw two weeks ago how Jacksonville capitalized on three turnovers and scored 21 points. You get an extra possession, and also you get a turnover. That's a plus 14-point swing, possibly 20-point swing. San Antonio was getting that. And one thing I want to point out about San Antonio is Kyler Rashad had a play in the game. I think it's in the highlights here. He didn't score, but he did the one of the most nastiest dead leg jukes I've ever seen a receiver do. He had three guys over him. He dead legged the guy, and all three of the Orlando guys basically collapsed. Right. There it is. I did have the highlights. Yes, I was right. Um, it's, one those, it's one of those watching live. I, I you know, you get that like like that type of face. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's so it's so sick. I love that. There were a lot of highlight like arena s type of plays in this one. Like just this highlight reel alone, you got that juke. You got two balls that bounce that are based on the nets being mm-hmm. affected. Credit one of them was a very end hail mary from Jonathan Bain to Darius Prince, which by yeah. the league, way the league didn't put on as a score, even though it was an official score. But official you got that. But not only that, but a great interception off the nets that helped. I also flipped the script in this contest. Because you did have you did have it where you know Preds are driving, they it was going back and forth casual, just was missed an extra point, and then you have a nice interception, you know, right off the nets, which are in these highlights we've talked about, and that was right there. I think the kind of the end all be all where the gunslingers just kind of started taking and opposing their will. I will talk like you're talking about the the second half. Mm-hmm. I thought in the fourth quarter, the this is where I'm sitting with the gunslingers. And I'm going, man, they they're good team. But like they should be running away right now, and it, it kind of felt like you know both sides defensively they both have good pieces. But I was just like this offense. I feel like they should be starting to kind of pull this in. Like I was shocked, and this is more ticky tacky. They didn't put up fifty, and it's been kind of a normal. It's kind of been becoming more the norm right now that they aren't that high of a scoring offense. It's more about you know they more controlling about game flow and more about playing their style of ball where they're like you're gonna follow by our rules as this game goes, you know. Doesn't matter how high it scores, but we're going to be the ones imposing our will. Like you saw against that against in that Jacksonville loss, that didn't work. You know, you in Jacksonville, you have to play high scoring offense. That has not been their mo so far this season. It's more been we'll score on our own terms, and we're going to make you stay behind the eight ball the entire time. And had, it works a- for games like this, but you just wonder about future contests against top tier opponents like that, mm-hmm. where I'm like, I know this offense can put up sixty on a regular night. Yes. Why is it not putting up 60, you know? Those those are questions that are still uh, – even San Antonio fans are saying the same thing. I know there's a podcast in San Antonio that talks about this all the time, about how San Antonio has the weapons that they could be scoring 60-plus points a game. But it seems like once they start getting – you know, the first touchdown, start getting a groove. If once they get that first stop, like they go four and out, it takes two to three possessions before they actually get back on track again and they start scoring points. Um, but in this game, like there are a couple of things in this game that really that make me like look at or look at San Antonio go, they have, it's, it felt like, they felt like, they were afraid to make the play. Like they were worried that if they didn't make the play and it went sour, that it was it. It's like they're playing not, they're not playing scared. They're playing very cautiously. And 
I don't. It's like you can do that probably against Orlando and probably against Albany right now, but you play like that against right now Fayetteville, or play like that like against like a West Texas, you're going to lose the game because those are the teams that they're playing for. They they have nothing to lose, and it felt that way a little bit in this game where San Antonio felt like. The pressure was there. We're talking about week nine in the National Arena League. They just lost to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's now on their back, and you felt like this game had they had pressure on them. It's like this is the first game they actually have legit pressure. Someone like, oh, we have a bad game. Or we can lose the in this top spot. They and felt I, I think, you can feel that in the arena. And I think I think something that you're you're going to see from like Coach Shaw and and company is that you know what they lost but we're still up right now we still have that game up let's focus on the now you know we we can keep on just compiling wins and and that's at the end of the day you know what like i I already can hear some gunslingers fans too what we're talking about it's like but they still won it's like you're absolutely right you know what like at the end of the day it's still a win without a doubt and i think you gotta take that away um it is but like i said it is fascinating watching you know the gunslingers evolve as the season goes on and kind of getting down what they are as a team, you know, that that's the thing that fascinates me is what, what are San Antonio gunslingers, good defense. And you put up, you know, you have a quality offense, but you put up enough and you control the tempo. Once you get ahead, you know, you don't, you don't always see the explosive, like deep shot. A lot of times it's these, it's a lot of these consistent drives. And then eventually on defense, they try and just slow you down, make you make a mistake. You flinch, we take advantage of you flinching. That's how it works. You know, all year they've only put up they've only put up one game this year above 60. Can you guess which matchup that was, Jim? Really? Like, come on. You stuck against Jacksonville in the Sharks. Yes, the first week two, Jacksonville, they put up 63. Since then, it's been pretty much mid fifties to mid forties. Mm-hmm all year and that's not bad you can win games off defense it's just that if you're talking like a jacksonville you just lost to you know a fayetteville who just had their statement win and can put up 70 on a good night you know even carolina who you know bad loss last week but on on a good night they can do it like that's what we're curious about so you know yeah question i'll flip the script back over so we can stop talking about (laughs) bad things about about a win because at the end of the day you know what? They're six and one. You guys get a win, and it's going to be a nice feel-good thing where you do get a buy. You do get a bye week coming up, and you can work on some stuff. And you got Robert Kent that they signed on to help tinker with the offense. He is a backup QB, but as you've talked, he's going to come on as a co- more coaching role, so they can work on some things. They got time to keep on tinkering, and they're ahead by a game right now. They don't got to worry about tiebreakers or anything. They still hold their destiny firmly in their grasp as the season goes on at the halfway point for Orlando. My last thing is with questioning this is, you know, you're, you're one in five right now, you, you know, sure. You're, you know, you're, you're still like a, you still have another game to catch up in terms of collections. You are playing a, sl- a lesser schedule in terms of overall games and the rest of the league. Um, I'm where are you at right now? Cause Fayetteville winning this week. Now you're pushed back two and a half games on Fayetteville at this point and just a lot of just a lot of questions i think moving ahead they in this week's game of the week obviously they have a chance to kind of get off the mat get a win under their belt but you know it feels like 
a lot of stuff needs to get moving in the right direction. And I think a lot of people have been questioning, you know, is this a, is this a player problem or a coach's problem? I've seen that con- conversation come up and I don't know if there's a good answer right now because I think you can look at it in two different perspectives. I think that, I think that the player wise, you, know, you need to gel, but this is a talented group coaching wise. You know, you can, I've seen people blame coaches, but this is Damon Ware we're talking about. This is an offensive guru in the league. As much as people have been pointing the finger at Herky Walls, Damon calls the offense. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. For again, I think it's more of team chemistry. They're not together long enough. I think now entering this week, you're home. You're, you're coming back to Amway Arena. You already know that. It's going to be a very intense matchup between them and the Empire for the the history of the of the two teams. Now, um, I think there'll be a lot, very, 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 very focused in this game. One of the things that I look about Orlando, especially this past week, is that their offense was looking good the first couple possessions. Then a turnover happened, and it just you know went sideways quick. And then it caught back on in the second half and started doing better. Is it coaching? No. When you're one in five, there are many ways to point the finger at players, coaches, fan, organization, owners, even the attendant who's taking the tickets in the building. It's his fault too. Uh, It's not about whose fault is it. We've seen Nick Nick Hag play. We've seen Cisse play. We've seen uh, Dwayne Hollis play at other organizations and dominate. They have that. Bain is a MVP quarterback, and he's a championship quarterback. I'm not worried about Orlando and if they can rebound. I think they can rebound, but the one thing I'm worried about Orlando is that they're running out of games for this come. They're one of oh, – if they do, if they do get a loss against Albany, they're one and six, and all of a sudden you look up at the standings, you're saying that, man, we're four and a half, five games behind Fayetteville for the four, with five remaining, that becomes a, more of a major issue. For Albany, like even though we did the game of the week weeks ago, where we were predict doing the show. We didn't expect that the winner of this game, this coming Saturday, or Friday night, excuse me, between Albany and Orlando, the loser of this game season might be done. That might be, they, they, they're not, they won't be eliminated, but they'll be, they won't be mathematically eliminated, but they'll be kind of eliminated, especially if Fayetteville, you know, continues on their little streak here especially if they go in the shark tank and do a big upset in the shark tank, you're looking the sixth place, the seventh place team, possibly five games back with five games remaining. That's you're walking a thin red line, but it's in Amway and another week under Bain and that offense. I think you'll find some, I think you can find something, find something to attack, find something to capitalize or jump on somebody. Uh, the question is, is just not how Orlando can rebound. Is Orlando doesn't need to focus on who they play in three weeks. They got Albany coming in town. They just lost to San Antonio. That game's over. Get out of their way. Focus on Albany. Get a, get a win. 
try and get a win and th- then reassess. The issue of Orlando is that they have so much talented receivers. Clarence Williams, Lonnie Outlaw, who is starting to shine again. Lonnie's being gone back to his old ways. Bain is starting to get back. And remember, this is only Bain's second game this season, this quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, you know, it's going, actually, it's his third game with three different teams. Um, it's more of just consistency. Right now, for Orlando, uh, there's a lot of people, fans, that's pointing the fingers, everything. You just went on the road and lost to a team in San Antonio who, quite frankly, is a better team than you. They're in first place for a reason. And usually when you look at the standings, the top-tier teams usually beat the bottom-tier teams. That's the reason why they're on top. But for me, there were things in this past game about Orlando that I liked. Clarence Williams and Bain connection looks like it. it's going to be uh, something to watch. Pierre, uh, yes. Dam- uh, Damian Ware, my friend, my buddy, my pal, <laughs> give, it to, give it to Clarence. As much as you can. Um, also, Darius Prince is going to be doing Darius Prince things. Don't have to worry about Darius Prince. Lonnie, if Lonnie is playing his himself, just throw the ball up. That guy can catch it on the moon. That's how tall that dude is. There, there are things about that team that I like. And on their defensive side of the ball, I like what Freddie Booth Lloyd's doing. And Brandon Cece, that combo is a, a good combo. They have pieces there. It's more of chemistry. Can they get it together? Problem is they don't have a whole season to do it. They're running out of games. Got to get corrected. And right now, I think I do have the stands. Let's put that up the stands. Right now, they're currently four and a half or two and a half games back of the Mustangs. So they still have time. They play six games, so they have six games to go with four and a half out or two and a half out. They're four and a half behind first place, but they're two and a half out from the four seed. You have to start winning games, and hopefully Fayetteville starts losing the games to get you back in the back in the picture. Right now, for for Orlando's right now for Orlando, really do whatever you want to do with the film from this past game. Go out there against Albany and play like the team that we know you can play like because of the players you have on your roster. You're talented, and I know once they catch on, start. Catching on, they're going to be a scary team towards the end of the year. I just think right now, you get Bain, you get everyone in, and your first opponent is a very good defensive team in the San Antonio Gunslingers, and they had their way with them. It was just, you know, you play Jackson, uh, you not Jackson, you played last week. You play a West Texas team that's starting to find themselves, and you had you go to San Antonio to a team that just lost at home to Jacksonville. So you know they were going to be focused on you guys and not overlooking you. It was so many things pointing to the direction of that Orlando could go in here and pull off an upset or wherever everything that's been pointed towards is like they're not going to win this game because everything is just stacking up against them. For right now, if I'm an Orlando fan, uh, go out there and support them on Friday night. I guarantee you as a fan of the game, that's going to be one lit atmosphere and Amway Center on this Friday night. So go out there and focus on next week. This past week, some good things to look at, but not a lot of things to like, you know what, we can build on this. There's a lot of things that can, that can build on, but get most of this game out of your rear, for your rear, view, rear view mirror. There we go. 
and get ready for the Albany Empire on Friday night. Words are hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, trust me. So, so is winning in the national national arena league, as we like to put it. Uh, you mentioned West Texas. Might as well jump jump on in. And you are right. Warbirds have been finding a bit of a rhythm, but it was not enough. Come, uh, come, come. Of course. This past weekend over in the Ectocali Coliseum is they have a 58-45 loss. Uh, competitive game for the most part going into the fourth quarter. Um, really came down a little bit wise to the wire. You know, the Warbirds had the Sharks in their sight late in this one. Uh, needed a defensive stop late. Couldn't get the said defensive stop, though. And that's the thing that when we talk about Jacksonville, this is, this is as high caliber of an offense as you can get right now in arena football in the indoor scene really in the country right now in any league they've been top notch throughout across the board um but i'll be honest with you though the warbirds did find some opportunities um still looking like a team that has a few missed chances that you know if they get things together that will swing their way later on the year i know that late in the fourth there were a few deep passes mitch kid dropped that were dimes that were drop passes that could have been easy touchdowns to help keep the pace moving putting the pressure on jacksonville and they just ran out of time simple the thing is that also of course jacksonville it's, it's what can you say and a loaded roster tons of talent with great receiving ability i mean look at that catch from cameron solomon if you're watching the video replay right there it's just spectacular throw you know, and those are some gut wrenching ones too. And they've had this talent accumulating as it, it's gone. But, you know, I think Jim, which, I mean, you take a little bit more out of this contest in terms of West Texas performance. Cause I mean, you know, it was only a two possession loss, but really, again, they have the sharks kind of in their sights. They just need one good possession to swing back in their way. Mm-hmm. And this game could have been one of the, one of your casual back and forth affairs within the last three minutes of this contest. Oh, of course there, there's a, part of this game that really was the big significant sequence of events. And that was somewhere in between the two minute to six minute mark, or the 12 minute, the six minute mark of the second quarter where Jacksonville did not stop West Texas on four plays. It took them 13 plays and it was within the 15 yards or the red zone, blue zone, score zone, wherever team calls it doesn't, on the sponsor. Uh, Jacksonville, uh, West Texas went down, you know, was getting driving, and then under the 15 yard line just gets stopped by Jacksonville. Then Jacksonville gets to fourth down, then there's a pass interference. Then West Texas gets another uh, downs, and there's an interception. Ball doesn't count. That was an offsides or illegal defense. And Jacksonville gets another stop. Then there's a penalty. Then Jacksonville finally gets a stop and turnover downs. There was like 13 to 14 plays in that sequence, in that eight-minute span, that the ball literally didn't move from the 15-yard line and the, the five-yard line at that point towards the uh, players on, that, on the left side of the field. That was a big sequence of events because Jacksonville bowed up. If West Texas would have scored there, that would have been a two- or three-point game, and I would have have thought this would have been like a who had the ball last type of situation. Um, It was a dynamic game. Number 13, Wilson, for the West Texas Warbirds, had a catch in this game that I'm like, that is an NFL-style catch. He jumped over uh, Marvin Ross and got not the one in the end zone. It was earlier in the game. And I'm like, yeah, that's an NFL type of catch. They got a squad. 
I really do like West Texas. I really do. And now that West Texas doesn't play Jacksonville to the final week of the season, I'm really going to watch their games and really get in, get get to the success. I'm a big fan of Mitch Kidd. We will get Mitch Kidd on the show. Uh, you might get an extra podcast episode this week with Mitch Kidd. We, it's been scheduling issues, ladies and gentlemen. We do apologize. Um, but overall, this game, I was on the call with Phil and a couple of guys that are in our Discord. Remember, links in our description. We were talking mm-hmm. about this game. And they were like, Jim, are you Jim? Are you okay? I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm just – I'm impressed that the team that I'm watching in West Texas is completely the 180 from week one. And then I looked at the roster. They only have seven guys on the roster that are from that week one team. So they boasted their offensive firepower. They got one of the best running backs in the game slash Jack linebackers in the game. They got the legend himself, C. Lewis, uh, Cornelius Mm -hmm. Lewis, who helps build that, and Hollins. Um, Their offensive line, Jacksonville could not do – well, they got the sacks. They got key turnovers in the game. But they weren't getting the backfield as quiet as often as they did in the first matchup in Odessa. Um, but overall in this game, I was more impressed about West Texas than I was with Jacksonville. Because I came into this game knowing like, okay, I, uh, someone sent me a, a quote that I said the last episode. Like Jacksonville is one of those teams where it's not how they're going to win. It's name your score. Yeah. Well, when you're playing like Jacksonville is right now, you have that mentality. But West Texas came in, did everything, and shout out to Weber. He played in Jacksonville. He goes to West Texas and kicks three deuces. He was one way that one one deuce away from a tie of the record. Also, Marco hit two deuces. He actually hit three, but one of them touched the American flag. So there are a lot of Shark fans out there. It's like if we lose by a deuce, it's going to be called the dust game because <laughs> the, the football hit the flag, and the only thing you saw was the dust that came off the flag. So they're called the dust game, which was going, which would have been funny. Um, but one thing I'm enjoying is especially just not in Jacksonville. We saw it with Drew Pearson. We saw it with Maya. In Fayetteville, we did see it with T.C. Stevens. There's deuces falling everywhere. We saw Dylan Barnes hit a deuce. We seen Dylan, uh, uh, Drew Pearson hit a deuce. The kickers are getting deuces. That's yes, what they makes are. this game more exciting is that a kicker is so much more of a weapon than just a special team personnel. And in this game in, in Odessa, it was literally a battle between Marco and Weber to see who could hit the most, most deuces at the pivotal time. Marco hit one at the end, which was the loudest one. But Weber started the game off with a deuce. He hit one in the third quarter, and he hit one in the fourth quarter. They keep West Texas in the game. That's six points. It's a possession. Um, but all, overall, for West Texas, hell of a game. They are going to be that team. I know there's a saying in sports. There's always that one team in there, if it's the NFL, NBA, NHL, that you don't want to play if they get in. West Texas could be that team. If they find a way to get into the top four, that'd be a hell of a four seed to host in the first round because they are going to be that four seed that's not going to go away at night. They're going to be there the whole entire game. And that's that's Coach Tate right off the bat. That's all about him and his coaching style. Yeah, right now they're kind of to me they come off as like the trap team. You you don't want to you can't sleep on them. They they they're definitely not the same as the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you talked, only seven players from the original roster are 
still on the said roster. That project car, it is uh, a lot of not, not many original parts on that car. <laughs> car left right. as we've been br- bringing up, but that's some good changes. Again, that's this is the nature of the NAL and a lot of arena is free agency is so vital in this league in terms of you know you can make or break yourself by making the right signings and looking and scouting out for new talents and adjusting on the fly you know there there are some teams that they've got that stuff set up and they're ready to go from the beginning of the year you know look at san antonio they they haven't had to do much they they are basically what you saw week one leading in yes they did have some drama to signings towards the beginning of the season but they got to figure it out that that is what you expected week one you know jacksonville's had a few but then you look down the list you know west texas a lot of changes you know faithful's actually had several signings that as much as it has been an original team they have a few key ones that have come come in as well the preds and empire well they're their own story but that's the kind of the flip side of the coin is not everything pans out you just gotta be able to get the teams gelling and get the right pieces of the puzzle to fit when the time is right you know jacksonville hard for me to kind of give more analysis they are doing what's expected they are the de facto high-powered offense you know uh it's been as efficient as you can expect. Maybe not as much as say last week where it felt like they could do no wrong because I'll give credit the Warbirds. They got some changes of downs. They got some possessions back their way, uh, but it is hard to stall out an offense like that for so long. And as we saw 58, 45, eventually uh, time does run out on you. If you don't have the oomph uh, for the Warbirds, I got to say I'm impressed. And I, I think that this is only the beginning of what hopefully can continue to be, a prosperous future seasons for this team. Um, it's been great to see them grow and adjust and adapt. Uh, and as well as the community, by the way, you got confirmation uh, that this was last game, their largest crowd of the year Correct. at that contest, which is awesome, by the way. I mean, better broadcasts have been coming in. They've been doing, having a great job. I mean, look at this. This is diff- so much different than week one. I mean, it looks, it looks gorgeous fans are coming out in much more droves in the beginning of the season this team's getting support you'll love to see it and i am thrilled to see it see it too it's been fantastic to see the west texas warbirds get get bigger uh and this was a good matchup in the league this week something that you know you can tune in anyone that comes in wants to get a good ideal arena matchup this is one i would have said hey check this one replay out because uh this is what i like about arena football is a lot of this in particular and you talk the nets i know i'm kind of re backtracking a lot of stuff you said but Hey, first off, I got to let you get your points in. But second, there are it's similar, it's funny. Last year we were talking about think about Iron Man. You know how Iron Man was last year in this league? A lot of people were at the beginning of the season, "Oh, we don't need Iron Man. Iron Man's not that great." You know, we it, it's just affecting the game. You know, it, it's slowing the game down like in the first few weeks. And you know what? It had its falters. But you know what happened as the year went on with Iron Man? It got better. It ended the season on a pretty high note. No one noticed it and it was it was fluent. It was cool to see. This year, kicking. Oh, we don't. We the Nets. They're a failure. We don't need the Nets. No one's getting back to the Nets. The, who cares? They're not being affected at all. You know what's happened this past week? I saw an interception off the Nets. I saw a hail mary off the Nets. Kickers are now more consistently getting back to the Nets than the beginning of the season. It's good. Just give some time, patience, because you know what's happening. Now we're getting all the aspects of arena working seamlessly. I expect I don't I don't worry about kickers getting back in the nets or like some or about us debating on is it the ball again? <laughs> because you know what's happening? It's there are people are adjusting, teams are getting used to the new pieces, and it's working. Mm-hmm. And it's working well. That makes me so happy. It's a similar it's funny how it was a parallel it's almost like a mirror image of last year's Iron Man discussion. 
But by the end of the year now, I imagine no one's going to talk about Nets. By the end of the year, you're going to be like, yes, this is a great first year in Nets. Next year, the Nets are going to keep on providing excellent additions to the league like we were expecting. And then it's just about growing back the traditional arena game now that we have all pieces back to the puzzle and we've had people figure out all those pieces and how to use them effectively. It's good. That's what's, it's what's great. You see the stuff evolve over the year. That's an element I'm like, such correlation to Iron Man. And now people are like, oh yeah, we're getting this co- these cool highlights again. Thank God, because I'm happy we could talk about that rather than talking about the nets aren't being used. They are being used now. Kickers are getting back there. You know, Orozco obviously helps, but I mean, not even just Orozco. Like you're seeing Eric Amaya. He's hitting them back to the nets now in Fayetteville. And he was a guy that was kicking them like five, 10 yards short beginning of the year. He's working on his kicking game. It's good stuff. People adjust. Players adapt. It's good just, um, but honestly, the games that we saw this weekend and over the last couple of weeks, it's amazing how you mentioned how the Iron Man fans are like, oh, I can't stand Iron Man. It's not good for the league. Uh, it's going to ruin, ruin the league, and it's actually not uh, high-scoring games, strategy, uh, and a lot of these players are two-way players love it. I know a guy, I talk to him almost every week, Justin Renfro, number 66 for the Sharks. He's an offensive line slash defensive lineman. He says he loves every moment of it. He also I get, got him. He also got I get shocked if I hear about I get shocked if I hear about a substitution penalty now. And last year that was completely different. Yeah. That just shows you how far that's come. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because there's a substitution ref too right there in the uh at the on both sides of the benches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh Two-way players, they've got some specialists. The rules were changed. You, you have a, a couple of things that make this game even better. But to, to the, close out this game, I want to give a couple of shout-outs to a couple of players in this game. Uh, uh, Trayvon Shorts may not have one of his best game, but the guy had some voodoo. Every time Weber was going to kick, he was always behind him doing some uh, – spirit thing on the ball and every time he did that Weber kicked it in so I'm gonna just say Trayvon keep doing that uh Weber uh you were doing that in Jacksonville uh got traded to West Texas it's nice to see that you uh went out there and did your job um and try and prove your point uh because you know kickers that kickers and players when they get traded always want to prove a point to their former team like you should have done this but I'm really proud to see what Weber did uh the guy was on the money uh Mark then answered right after too. So it was good for kicking game. But also another shout out. Uh, no one's mentioned this, um, but I will. Since Sam Castronova has been the quarterback for the Jacksonville Sharks, uh, he's thrown 21 touchdowns and zero interceptions. That is a hell of a, I'll just go to a different team and not skip a beat. Um, so you got taps uh, caps off the Castronova. Uh, his performances in the last three weeks have been incredible, and the offense has shown how deadly this offense is for the Jacksonville Sharks, and it could be getting some extra weaponry here in a couple of days. Um, But overall, West Texas, Coach Tate, keep doing what you're doing. You guys have a squad. You really do. And there's guys on that team that I I have so much uh, respect for, Cornelius Lewis, uh, shorts to name two. Um, also, Mitch Kidd. Uh, I followed his career at FCF, uh, his time at Columbus, and now his time here. Uh, he 
he's a winning quarterback. They have a quarterback. I think West Texas, if they get on a little run here and hopefully certain things fall with the May, I think they could be a, one of those teams that makes the playoffs that it's a scrappy team that you don't want to play in the first round. Um, so I like their organization. Big, it's still a like what we're talking about in San Antonio. Oh, they've only won by one. They only won by two possessions. Well, it was an ugly win. A win's a win, and Jacksonville did exactly what they needed to do this weekend. Go on the road to Odessa, get a win to continue the pressure on San Antonio because that win against Odessa in West Texas, San Antonio felt that. And you felt that if you watched that San Antonio game this past weekend, you know that was lingering in the atmosphere because they knew we slip up here, the one seed's no we longer than our first place in our division uh, in our league. Jacksonville has that, so you can tell. So for Jacksonville, it's another it's a a a rough win going out there, but a win's a win. And for West Texas, the first game Jacksonville went up there and just boat raced them in the second half. This was the clearly not the same team. And I'd say for their next opponent, which are home against Carolina Cobras, Cobras, don't look over this West Texas team. You, If you drop one in West Texas, that 4-3, that 4-3 matchup becomes very intriguing with another team in the fold that would be West Texas. So some intriguing matchups coming up this week for the National Marine League. But overall, like I mentioned in closing, um, for this area. Again, top performers, Cato, Kendrick Gangs, Weber for West Texas, Arvell Nelson. Um, maybe Pierre Turner needs to be his, uh, well, Ralph Junk- Junkins, or Jenkins for the uh, Albany Empire, or excuse me, of the San Antonio Gunslingers San Antonio call Gunslingers. crew. Holy crap. My bad. It gives uh, Pierre Turner uh, a nickname called Afterburner Turner. Um, which was when I heard that, I was like, that's actually pretty kind of cool. Uh, but again, offensive performers, Arvell, Cato, Kendrick Ings, Weber, and Sam Castronova are my highlight players of the week. Also another guy, Justin Renfro for the Jacksonville Sharks. Uh, he got himself, I think he got himself a sack, a, a sack force fumble, and a thick six touchdown as a tight end from Castronova. So that. You got to love when the big man gets it. We did share some love with Cornelius Lewis last week when he got it from Mitch Kidd. So when the big guy gets it, you got to celebrate. But also there's some good action around the league. And we got a big weekend coming up of action starting Friday night in Orlando um, for week 10 of the National Arena League. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you end this podcast, you are going to now be officially over the halfway point of the 2023 NAL season. Yeah. We're getting we're getting to the back end now. It's a finally happening. Push yeah. towards the playoffs coming up sooner than rather than you think, you know. But jockeying position wins are getting a little more vital. Crunch time is starting to kind of sneak up. The more and more we go, mm-hmm. as you can see with the standings, uh, definitely some teams up at the very top, and especially ones that are below number four with Fayetteville are going to start feeling the heat a little bit more starting this week. Now, credit when we talk about in game game day coming up. This week, Mustangs do have a pretty tough opponent. Warbirds and Preds are going to have their Warbirds, Preds and Empire all have crucial games outside of those as well that we might see either a tightening, maybe see a tightening of the belt four to seven or could see possibly 
separation Sunday. It all depends. You know, it could be could be feeling like that a little bit more. But we'll find out pretty soon. Pretty soon on that regard, you'll catch us at the end of the week with that discussion. But for time being now, I think that's about it. Kind of wrap things up. Thanks for tuning in. As always, episode 108. Uh, feel free to follow us on social media at InWallsPod for all your latest on the National Arena League. By the way, at InWallsPod. Same goes for the sub, for the subscriptions on YouTube. Which, by the way, if you're listening on podcast, love you. Glad you're listening. But if you want to check out the video version, head on over to YouTube. Hit that big red button on your video of choice that you're watching, and click that bell. As we say on another podcast that we follow where I'm on, it builds morale for us and for you too. Uh, also check out the National Arena League's website, nationalarenaleague.com and National Arena League social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to follow along with the latest on the league. They are getting a lot more active on social and we are glad to see it this season. That's only going to keep on growing as they move into 2024 and beyond. And you know, you want to be following those because, hey, off-season news in the NAL, we're still mid-season, of course, and we got plenty to go. But trust me, you want to be ready for even later on down the line because it's gonna it gets crazy on there too. So feel, feel free to follow them along and keep growing the game and grow the arena game while you're at it. Uh, until next time, everybody, got to leave with Jim reminding us of one final thing before you go. Don't be a jack-out-of-the-box. Until next time, everybody, catch you this Friday on episode 109 for NAL Game Day Week 10. We'll see you on the other side at the end of the week. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Murnier.